Hey, husband. Yes, wife. What kind of gun do bees use? What kind? BB guns. Wow. Welcome back to Random's Thoughts, everyone. I'm husband. And I'm wife. And we're here actually with kind of a different topic this time around. So as we had last time, it's kind of been slow with the exception of, well, next week. Yeah. So just in case you guys were uh, wondering, next week is Gen Con. Next week is the event. Next week, oh my goodness. The big show. The big dance. Other big things. All the big. Yes. So if you are going to be at Gen Con and you're listening to this, you probably heard us already a thousand times say, come by. Yeah. But, but if, come by. if for some bizarre reason you're just tuning in, then by all means, come check out the Retro WoW events, whether it's the Cube event or whether it's the actual Classic Championship. Even if you can't come and play, which, why not? But let's assume you have a good reason that you can't play, just come and hang out for a little while because it's good yeah. to have the community there to bounce ideas off each other and just talk about the game that we all love. And for those of you that are going to give us an excuse of not coming by, like, I don't know if I can play this game very well, we're about to talk about that. Yeah, so we have actually seen a recent uptick in new or newer players asking questions about the game, whether it's rules or how to get started what what should they be looking for? How do I pick a deck? What do I need to know? How is this so much better than Hearthstone? Yeah, so I think, I don't know, husband, do you think it's fair to say there seem to be a lot of, like, bulk collections that people are just picking up, and now they're like, hey, let's play the game? Well, I mean, that's kind of like how life goes. You know, there are yeah. people who go and say, you know, I can't really justify keeping this these giant boxes of cardboard in my basement anymore or attic or yeah. living room or wherever or people you know want some extra scratch or they just they're moving on with their lives so you see these collections go up for sale either on ebay or on the subreddit or the discord or i think there's a marketplace group maybe but in any case you see them go up online with relative frequency, yeah. but they don't stay up very long. No, I've noticed. and that's what I think is definitely great about this, is they don't stay up for very long, and also a lot of times they seem to be purchased by new players, not old players expanding their card base. Well, that's the thing, is I know I usually try and look for these auctions myself and say there's still a few promos out there that I'm on the lookout for. There's still... You know, some odd and end play mats or deck boxes and things that I'd like to pick up as keepsakes. But you're absolutely right. A lot of them seem to, you'll look at the posts that are related to it and people, you can kind of tell that it's somebody who's interested in getting it for the purpose of playing the game, not to stick in a box or a binder or a poster or whatever. Or cut up into a collage like I might have done once upon a time. <laughs> like those things that you made me once upon a time? Yeah, I was really lame. Everybody asked about the embarrassing things that wife made for me while we were still dating. Yeah, I was really lame. <laughs> I bring it every year, so yeah, if you do. see us there, definitely ask about it. I'm hiding it this year. Sure you are. We'll see. So the reason we bring up the collections is because, as we started out with, there are a lot of seemingly new and newer players that are getting involved with the game, which is great because any 
new blood is very important to cultivate. Yeah. We've been playing a lot of other games just, you know, because we've been playing other games such as Lightseekers and soon to be the Transformers TCG. Spoiler alert, we'll do an episode on that. But as we're talking with people in these other games, it always comes back to the same questions of, well, these events are great. We're having a lot of fun. We enjoy the people that we're with. But how do we keep it going? How do we grow it? How do we get communities? And that's sort of the same issue that faces WoW. Just now you have the added challenge of there's no official first-party support. Yeah, which is sad. But I think the best part about WoW is also the worst part about WoW is... There is no first-party support, so it's relatively inexpensive to get in on. Yes. With the exceptions of, you know, the usual suspects, like Cairn. And even that, it's not that expensive anymore. Well, as evidenced by the retro WoW events, there's nothing stopping anyone from using proxies other than your own pride, I guess. Yes. So I know personally, I don't want to play with proxies. And I had spent way too many hours last Saturday looking for a card that I knew I only had one copy of through dozens of boxes and binders, and I eventually found it. But I could have just proxied it. Yeah, you could have. But Yeah, you could have. But the point is, is that it is nice to have the physical card. It is. But especially if you're getting started out, and even if you are a veteran, there's really no absolute need for it. Yeah. Um, I mean, proc proxies are fine. The real card does feel nice, it does look better, but I think either way it really works. But it is fun, I would say, at least to have a base set of your actual cards. Because well, they're course. just so shiny and pretty. Well, the, it also physically feels different when you're holding cards versus cards that are proxied. True. And it's also, you know, nice to say, okay, well that's the physical, I don't know, to me having the physical card is, is better, but... One of the, well, one of the things that is unique about other games that never really took off in WoW is the concept of having custom proxies. So in Magic, if you play Type 1 or any of the older formats, it's not uncommon for events to be run allowing proxies, up, usually up to certain limits. So you could have 10 cards proxy or 15 cards proxy because, let's face it, if your deck costs literally as much as a car... Yeah. Then it may be a hurdle for people to continue playing. Yeah. Especially if it's like a very minor event and hey, let me, you know, just take out a, a small a small loan. Yeah. Um in oh. order to play a game. I'm gonna put a lien on my house to be able to <laughs> No, it's not reasonable. So it it was interesting. Now WoW cards never hit, really hit that point, obviously. Loots did, but not the actual cards. Even Edwin at his peak still was not, an individual copy was not approaching any of the Power 9 or any of the old duels or anything like that. So I see why it never showed up, but it is an interesting concept now that if people are going to assume proxies are a thing and allow them, maybe the custom art sort of thing comes in, full art, textless, whatever. I mean, I've always been a big fan of custom art, especially with one particular card, Avatar of the Wild. <laughs> Um, Tony the Tiger, now we could do Daniel Tiger, so many tigers. Sure. I'll find more. I'm, I'm sure there are a lot. Yes. I mean, you could go to the whole Disney route, but... Shere Khan, it'll be so much fun. 
Anyway, so what do proxies and collection buying have to do with new players? Well, we wanted to talk a little bit about how do you get into the WoW TCG now? So to get into the WoW TCG life, I mean, if someone, it's a, an odd catch-22 because if they're listening to this podcast, they probably have an idea of a lot of the things we're going to say. And obviously a, a number of the veterans that are listening to this are already aware. But even for you veterans out there listening, I hope we call attention to certain aspects that you can use to either try and grow other local groups, maybe convert some friends or, you know, Try and get more warm bodies so that we can have yeah. these successful events. Find somebody who maybe is a little bit nervous. Direct them to this. Or, you know, make the points out yourself and make you sound really smart and awesome. So, you, wife, WoW TCG was your first card game. Yes. So, or and definitely your first competitive card game. Definitely. So, I played one, half of a game of Magic before that and got frustrated and left. Well, that's actually a real good example. So... What got you to play the WoW TCG where you faltered in Magic? Um, I would say on a very personal level that the thing that I love most about the WoW TCG that kind of bugged me with Magic was the idea of dudes and like attacking one at a time and... So you like the, the idea of the man fight? Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I like personal brawls. One on one, let's go. And that, that is something that sets WoW apart. A lot of games since, and obviously some before that, had focused on that as what separated them from Magic. To be perfectly honest, I feel that the Magic layout for combat, where it's, I say I'm going to attack. I pick some number of units to attack. Troops, creatures, mm -hmm. allies, whatever you want to call them. And then they attack then you choose all your defenders. And it kind of does, the way Magic has it set up, conjure to mind a medieval-esque battle where it's two armies sitting on opposite sides and they just crash in the, in the middle of a field. I mean, yeah, that's fine, but I want real armies. Single fights, and then, you know, you can respond. I don't know. I, that's why I like WoW so much better is because I like being able to choose exactly what happens when it happens and so my opponent responds to this particular event well i'm going to respond in this particular way and i really enjoy that so that's more of a thing if you're trying to sell the game to someone where they have more sure. control i know in way back when when i was teaching people magic or there were new players that would come in to a store i was playing at and they would ask questions one of the first things is, well, why can't I just go punch that guy in the face? Like, that guy right there, why do I have to go at you and you get to decide if he gets in the way? Yeah. And I think WoW is a lot more intuitive to a lot of people because, no, I want to man fight that guy. Just throw down just, and I, go You have a it. very big dude on the board. I want him gone. Well, or chip him down yeah. with all your little guys. So it is a, a selling point, and I think... When new players start, that's one of the things that they're probably going to be drawn to, but it's also simultaneously one of the more difficult things. The, the timing of when to try and control the board versus when to go face mm -hmm. is definitely something that for new players may struggle with. So you new players out there that may be listening or you veterans that are coaching along new players, 
You definitely want to call attention to, okay, past a certain threshold, if your opponent's at 15 and you have a board advantage of any kind, you may be able to just go face and rush them down. They yeah. can't respond quickly enough, barring, you know... Bad things. Exactly. <laughs> certain cards that let them flip the table, certain things that let them get back in the game. But each deck has that threshold where it says, no, now it's time to put the pedal to the metal and I'm, go I'm flooring it and I'm getting there to that finish line. Yeah, and I would definitely say that was probably my biggest thing to learn with this game. Um, I definitely remember uh, Scott Landis a couple of events being like, no, at this point you should have just attacked my face. Left my guys alone and just attacked my face. Yeah. And I, I think that's probably one of the biggest things to learn. But I feel like a lot of that is done through doing it. Well, yes. And that's part of why we want to talk about this. How do you get into the game? If you're a new player, that sort of level of strategy will come. Yeah. And it's we started with that, but the reason being is that it kind of segues into you have to start with what kind of game do you want to play? And even before that, what do you want to play? As in what faction, what class, those sort of things. So if we take it at the 10,000-foot level, you, wife, had started out with a mage deck just because I handed it to you. That was the class you were playing Correct. in the MMO. But then you very quickly moved into other classes and other race-slash-faction combinations. So if you were to talk to me right now, pretend I just picked up the game, and I said, I, I like World of Warcraft, I happen to play Alliance or Horde, but I don't really care either way, you know, or Monster. I'll, I'll pick whatever. What's a good deck? What should I start with? Or how should I start so, not that that's, like, a totally daunting question or anything. Personally, I would tell you to pick Horde, but that's a story for another day. Um, I would really, the first thing you want to think is what type of deck do you like? Do you like super, um, a lot of dudes? I would say most of your, or do you want a lot of lower cost dudes? Then I would probably direct you to the Horde. If you want some um, mid-range dudes, decent spells, decent locations, I might direct you to the Alliance, even though that would hurt my soul. If you want to play big behemoths and wreck other people's day, go monster. See, I would take it from a totally different direction, wife. I would actually tell a new player, so if you were brand new and I was coaching you all over again, instead of what we had done the first time around... Although that is a reasonable way to take it. If the pl new player is coming from the MMO, hey, you like Shaman, you like Hunter, whatever, just find a deck that works with that. Like, pick that class and then go look for whatever deck happens to fit from there so that you can get a feel for things. So you could always check out deck lists on our website. Randomthoughts.wordpress.com And we're definitely going to be posting stuff post-Gen Con, so we'll have additional data to go from, but... If I were telling a new player starting out right now, pick your faction first. Pick whichever card or class or faction you think looks coolest or looks like fun. No matter what, unless you are literally net decking something from the start, which isn't, that's not a bad way to go about it, but unless you're doing that, your first deck is going to suck. Yeah. There, it's just going to happen. Now, if you have experience from other games, you have a leg up, and maybe it and won't. And maybe you'll suck less. But you'll probably still suck. 
okay. And that's allowed. We've all we've all sucked. I mean, I we still suck. we still suck. Yeah. <laughs> but the point is, is that say you play Horde, and in the game you are a Blood Elf warrior. Why not just play Blood Elf Warrior? There are the classic card pool is deep enough that yes, Blood Elf Warrior is probably not the best race class faction combo. Probably not. But at the same time, you can throw Silver Moon City into any Blood Elf deck, and all of a sudden, you got a fighting chance at yeah, the very least. You really. And do. if you play an aggressive, like say you play a Fury Warrior, or you play an Arms Warrior, or even I mean you really do it in any of them and you get shouts or other ally buffs so then you can just run your Rosalinds and your Brodericks and things like that you know what you can still play pseudo face aggro and have something mildly coherent and then that lets you get a feel for oh well I, I'm playing against a rogue I need to dodge poison the well I'm playing against a death knight I can't overextend into army of the dead but those are things that will come over time so that's why I think it's appropriate. You're a new player. Hey, I like orcs. I like worgen. I really love gnomes. Or murlocs are my thing. <laughs> Whatever it happens to be, pick the thing that seems the most fun to you. And guess what? If you change your mind or you find multiple things fun, just build multiple decks. Yeah. You can. We have a yeah. whole basement full of them. Yeah, I I do agree with that. Um, if you have some slight experience and you are enthusiastic, enthusiasm will carry carry you a lot farther than probably anything else when it comes to building your first deck with a particular race, uh, faction, whatever in mind. If you don't have that affiliation, you could either do what I initially said or just find a card that you think looks really baller and go for that. Yeah. Now, the thing that we had mentioned a few minutes ago and just net decking things, that if for newer players out there, that means literally copying a deck list that already exists card for card and playing it is also an excellent way to go. And again, it's on our website. We have the results from the last few Gen Cons and the old Metamart events and other ones that we've compiled. We have a bunch of articles out there. And there are a bunch of ideas from our guest writers and in the various, whether it's the Facebook group, the subreddit, the Discord, where you can get ideas of, okay, well, this is a coherent deck. Let me break it down. Yeah, and please, please, please understand, because initially I felt a little shame in the fact that I wasn't able to build my own deck. There is absolutely no shame in stealing somebody else's stuff, especially when you're just getting your feet wet and you're trying to find your own way into the game. It's a weird thing about card games, and I don't think it's unique to card games, but if you think about math, if you took like a 12-year-old, average 12-year-old, and handed them a calculus textbook and told them to write a thesis, no, they're not going to be able to do it. You need to give them the years of training and the years of explanation behind it so that they can learn, stand on the shoulders of giants, to be able yeah. to go the next step. It, barring, you know, that there's some kind of prodigy. And of course, there's always a few of those, including in card games. So if you think you are the next hot thing for building decks, go right ahead. But for the rest of us mortals, I know I'm going and I'm, look, I'm researching. And that's where I'm starting. So I want to learn... This is how 
this game works. So for example, let's talk rule of thumb. So rules of thumb for me when I'm building something in Classic, you need eight one drops. Yeah. I don't care if you're aggro. I don't care if you're control. I don't care if you're mid-range. In aggro, let's say you're a red aggro deck. So red aggressive deck. You want to end the game quick. You're probably running at minimum Roslyn and Broderick. At the very least. Odds are you're probably running at least four, maybe eight more one-drops and then filling out your curve from mm -hmm. there. If you're a late-game control deck, you still want eight one-drops because you probably want eight ways turn one to be able to remove their turn one. Yeah. Because but otherwise you're not making it to the late game. <laughs> classic is... Classic goes hard very quickly. So you want those one-drops to either boost your board or block their board. Simple exactly. as that. Now, your one-drops obviously will be different for the most part. So if you're red, you're probably running Broderick in both scenarios, early game or late game, because he can function for both. But, for example, Druid Insect Swarm or Druid Cyclone, something like that, you're going to run because you want to make sure that you have... There's something to be said for redundancy, and this is a deck-building concept that is kind of self-explanatory, but to beat a dead horse for a second... You may see deck lists where people are running random one, two, or threes, three ofs rather than full complement of four, which is usually the first recommendation to the new player. Hey, your deck is really inconsistent. Why don't you cut all this stuff and add them into this number so that you always you are more likely to see card A every game than if yeah. you only ran one? Well, sometimes in more competitive lists, you'll still see those ones and twos of. Why? Because... The air quotes fifth, sixth, and seventh copy of a given card may be in there by including a different card. Yeah, you can either ensure that you get an effect that you really want when you add in these other cards that can either pull yep. them back or can um, give it a boost, anything like that. Or another thing is, you know, there are cards that are really. They, they're nice to have as opposed to need to have. Right. And that's another reason to hone down the numbers a little bit. If you like, oh, well, this would be really awesome if this happened. I'm like, but you got to double check with yourself. Is that really your major kill condition or is that just a nice thing to have if it comes out? Right. So to, to bring it back to the rules of thumb, as we started out with, my one of mine is you unless you have a reason not to and of course depending on your deck or the meta or whatever there may be a reason that you don't want to do this but in general i think you want a minimum eight one drops in any deck and then you tailor what those one drops do depending on what you expect to face so like what do you think are the, what other rules of thumbs could you offer to someone who's trying to build their first classic deck um, I would definitely say I agree with the eight one drops. I would also say include some type of removal. Um, what What do you mean by removal? Removal for what? So I would say um, ability or ally removal is very strong, in, especially in the current meta. I would also, I like equipment removal, but that hasn't proven itself to be You can always sideboard it, but yeah, you're right, um, there's... Equipment, for the most part, currently, is few and far between. It'll be interesting to see what happens next week. But yes. 
Um, I would say have some type of ability removal or some type of ally removal just so if they play something terrifying, you can make it go away. Yeah. There's always going to be that threat from your opponent. And especially when you're starting out, you won't know what to expect, obviously, because every card just about is going to be a new card to you. And that's fine because after a while, you're going to start seeing certain ones over and over again. So it it's the common complaint in a lot of games is, oh, well, the Tier 1 decks, they're all the same, and you see the same thing, and that's why, you know, you can't have a competitive... You, like, the competitive scene ruins things. And I disagree with that because when you walk into a room and you have no idea, like, literally no idea what someone could be running, I think that feels worse in a lot of scenarios than knowing what they're running, as long as, you know, it's not, okay, well, I guess I just roll over and die to it. Yeah, like, I want to know if someone is coming at me with a machete or a handgun on a personal level. And so, I w like, knowing what's in the room, knowing what abilities are coming at you in the room, knowing what type of weapons they may have hidden up their sleeve, as opposed to a complete world of unknowns and a world of scary possibilities. Now... The bad news for that is, as a new player, that's you're kind of stuck on that front. It's You can do the research, you can look at the deck list, you can look at the cards, but at the end of the day, it's still a lot of knowledge that is very hard to digest in a short period of time. This is true. But um, if you are looking to do the research, obviously we are a resource as well as... Um, some of the Reddit and the uh, Facebook group. And, of course, you can always check out the various database sites, WoW TCG Browser, which, unfortunately, may be going the way of the Dodo, uh, and also WoWCards.info, which has been an invaluable resource for us as well, both sites, so that we can try and build our own decks, try and research other ones, and see what some of the historical things could teach us. So we had started out, Wife, with saying how we felt you could try and pick a deck. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about, or I was talking a little bit about choose a faction, choose a race, choose a class, something along those lines to identify with. Like, this is how I want to play. And then flow from there into what your game plan is. Do I want to go quick? Do I want to drag the game out? Do I want to do something super weird? You know, get some strange interaction yeah. going? And you had said... Prior to that, that you felt it would be better to just choose your specific game plan, correct? Yeah, so personally, I know that I am not one that's generally built for the long game. I get sidetracked, it's not my thing. So I usually am going to pick aggro. That's the type of game that I enjoy. Now, that does also mean that when I get against some of the bigger control decks, I get destroyed... But on a, on a personal level, I prefer aggro. Maybe you don't. Maybe you want to be in control the whole game. And it's going to take you a while to actually, you know, get that whole, get your whole thing working for you. But in the end, you can control the whole board. You can deal with everybody else's threats. Or maybe you like doing goofy stuff. Not even just goofy, just making other things go nuts and ham by having them interact with other combinations. 
So really, I personally think that is... If you are coming at this game having maybe played a few games before of different things, and you're coming at WoW new, and you know you like a specific card type, that is where I would say choose aggro um, controller combo. And that's definitely a reasonable way to go about it. And it's It can sometimes feel daunting if the question is, well, how do I even get started? So hopefully either of those suggestions you know, rings true with you personally, and that, that will push you in one direction or another and give you that first step so that you can walk through the dark portal and get into the land of Azeroth. Wow. So, the... Just wow. Well, wow. wow. Oh, no. I didn't mean to make a pun. You and brought then it that on yourself. It happened. You really brought that on I yourself. Did. Look what your careless hands have wrought. <laughs> so, that's a little bit about where to get a collection. Obviously, as we said, there's a number of places that are selling cards and people that are selling cards. A little bit about how to choose your first deck. So, where yeah. do you think a new player would want to go from there, wife? Well, so I think if you have chosen your faction and you want to go by choosing your character route, I would say the next thing you want to do is obviously choose your race and then look at WoW TCG browser, find some other decks. So maybe you found a hero that you really like. Look him up on WoW TCG player, see what else he's been involved in. Yeah, those sites definitely will help you out a lot because, especially on WoW TCG Browser, you can pull, go to the deck section or even search by a card, and then there's a little tab on the side that lets you go see all the decks that that card's publicly been included in, and then you can pull up some ideas and say, oh, well, this particular troll hero was used in these decks, and they cover the spectrum, aggro, control, mid-range, combo, whatever that it, then it will hopefully spark some thoughts in your mind as to what direction to take the deck that you happen to want to play. So let's say, wife, that you can't even really decide about how you want to decide. So I'm coming at the game, I really like the MMORPG, or I really like the RTSs, or whatever the case happens to be. I'm coming from Hearthstone, it doesn't matter. And I'm trying to get into this game, but I'm not sure how I want to play. As in, do I want to play aggro? Do I want to play control? Do I want to play mid-range? So give me the, the short version. Sell me on playing aggro. So with aggro, what I enjoy the most about it is you have swarms generally of dudes. And they are going to, they're your army they are going to attack for you, and they are going to go head first into your opponent. Sometimes it's great just to feel like you are overwhelming your opponent and just turning dudes sideways and swarming the board. That would be my selling for aggro. Now, on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have control decks where you end up trying to, as wife was stating before, lock up the board, and then when you get around to it, you'll end the game on your own terms. So yeah. sell me on that, wife. All right, so you see my swarm of dudes coming at you, and you laugh um, because you have the ability to halt them all, freeze them in place, and then when you have time, maybe pick them off one by one, and in the meantime, destroy my life as well. So 
you have your two opposite ends of the spectrum there. You either are looking to close the game out early with aggro. So if you want to never give your opponent a chance to breathe, that may be your archetype of choice. Now, if on the other end, you don't want to ever give your opponent a chance to breathe because you're slowly choking them out, you may yeah. be a control player. In between them, you have mid-range decks, which are kind of exactly what the namesake implies. You are sandwiched between, you're typically going to beat up on the aggro decks because your guys will be a little bit bigger, mm -hmm. be a little bit stronger. You might have some healing or some ramp, and then, but you're quick enough that the aggro decks can't get a huge jump on you. So as an aggro deck example, we can throw out werewolves as an alliance example, Bogmara as a horde example. On the monster side, you could even just straight up play Murlocs with Unleashed Swarm. The control decks, naturally, you have your mages, you have your later game death knights, you have really late game druids, those sort of things. The mid-range ones could be defined as certain death knights, because some of them mm -hmm. put a little bit pressure on. You could be playing... And mid-range does... <laughs> cover a lot of ground. Yeah. To me, personally, I think of them as your slightly slower decks, again, that have some healing, maybe some armor, and they try and take control of the board, as compared to an aggro control deck, which leans a little bit heavier to the aggro. So you have your Spellweaver Jahan builds, Black Ice Fizzle Freeze. They can fall into the mid-range archetype, but to me, they're a little more aggressive. It's, I get a threat on the board, and I protect it. Whereas mid-range is, I'm going to have a threat on the board, and it's going to protect me, yeah. like Death Fear. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with that. It's mid-range is, they are protecting their house, whereas I would say aggro is the invading team. Well, of course. Now, you have the outliers in, say, <laughs> we have to mention it, the Wondervolt builds and uh. things like that. So you could go super crazy and combo so if you think about it from a lore perspective in the wow tcg i think combo falls outside of the lore a lot of the time mm -hmm. meaning that you are actively playing a game at that point yeah. so if you were to kind of remove yourself from the equation a little bit and kind of look at it from the uh, omniscient third point of view like in a real-time strategy and you're watching an aggro versus control deck, you could kind of get into the lore of, well, I'm a tank man warrior, or I'm a tanky paladin, so I'm going to play the control game and wear you out. Or you're playing an aggressive, uh, well, any kind of aggressive deck, and like Wife was saying, you're a swarming army coming across the battlefield trying to end the game. The combo decks are kind of like... Like... They're playing the game yeah, quite they, literally they have broken the fourth wall yeah so not to say that that's bad but it no. is something that you have to consider if you wanted a if you wanted to feel the if game you want to feel like an orc i don't suggest being doing the combo yeah um but if you want to have fun in a tricksy card type of way combo might be your jam yes and there are those those absolutely nuts combos like Wonderful and Bunnies, which Bunnies is not legal, but 
like we've said previously when discussing it, everybody's got to play it once just to know how it mm. works and then never want to pick it up again. Well, usually your opponents will never want you to pick it up again yeah. because it's, it's kind of a terrible experience. But enough about that. So you have these different options if you're a brand new card game player. If you're a veteran of any kind, you're already familiar with this. So it's kind of how does that translate to WoW? And to go back to a point that I brought up earlier, and I think this is veterans out there, how you sell it to people, I really do believe that you could reasonably take any class combo, for, for the most part, and build just about any archetype. I mean, combo, again, we'll, we'll put that to the side for the moment because you need specific parts. But you could reasonably build any race class combo and build a control deck or any race class combo and build an aggro deck. Yeah. Now, I, go ahead, wife. I was going to say some will obviously be stronger than others, but if you're just coming at it as I'm new, I want to learn this, I want to have fun, you can do it with any of them. So don't freak out about that. Just go in, get your feet wet, see how it feels, and then maybe make some changes as you go once you get the feel. Just like we kind of say on a broken record basis about Classic as a whole, a lot of it is going to come down to playing a lot of games, getting a lot of data. So we do have some thoughts that we want to cover post-Gen Con on the meta as a whole, but we kind of want to see how everything shakes out. But it's a lot, we're finally coming up on the point now that it's in its third year of doing the Retro WoW events and also you know people running other events and just talking about the game in general that I think we're finally getting there information-wise. Yeah, I think hopefully. we are finally getting away from the idea that we had for so long that Tyrus is the most terrifying thing in the world because that was what the Metamart event, gave, that's what info they gave us. And I think we're finally learning, leaning into the world where we can see all these different opportunities and availabilities and people are making some really awesome decks. They're making some really fun things to play against, and I'm really excited to see what else we have coming in store for us. So for the new players and for the veterans out there, this is something that I think is crucial for both retaining people and also introducing people, and indoctrinating people, I guess, is just, one talking, of us, one of us. Is just talking about the game. So... Here's a, a little peek behind the curtain at the husband and wife team. We started this podcast with some kind of selfish intent. Yes. And by that I mean we wanted to talk about WoW. We love this game and we want it to thrive and flourish. And it's hard for anything to continue if there's radio silence and everybody thinks it's dead. So... The reason we bring that up is not to say, well, we're saving WoW. It's because just in general, seeing stuff talked about gets people interested in talking about it. So as we started out with at the top of the show, we've been playing a bunch of other games. And one of the questions, for example, in the Lightseekers community is how do we grow the community? How do you get more butts in seats to play the game at local stores and therefore at tournament series or at other things. And part of that is marketing and hype and people getting excited about it. Now, it's not just new sets because obviously, I mean, the Retro Wild group is producing sets, but 
you're not we're not getting content like we used to. Yeah. So now it's well, what cool interactions are there? What did you play against that happens to be a sweet sideboard card? What race class combo did you come up with that you know maybe that beast hunt beast mastery hunter is out there and just people aren't putting in the effort to make it happen now what i'll be honest beast mastery hunter might be stretching it but just for sake of <laughs> argument what you know weird event did you play that maybe isn't fully classic but is a fun like just a fun spin on this game that might draw more people into it now some of it is I don't want to say negative stuff, but, for example, bans. They're always a hot-button issue and will always get people talking. I think our second most listened-to episode was the Broderick ban one. Yeah. But the first most listened-to episode is the Pants episode. I still maintain that's because it has the word pants in the title, but... Anyway. Yeah, we may have gotten a lot of bots. I don't yeah. know. But anyway, the point is is that those sort of discussions, I think, are healthy as long as people are on every side are being reasonable, which... You know, I think people for the most part, we, we, can, we can do it. There the, is a way to make Discord happen happily but and the, Reddit happen happily. But the point is, is that talking to new players and saying, hey, this is a cool idea, or this is, you know, what do you want to play? How do you want to play it? Do you mind if I make a suggestion? And encourage those new players, newer players, to allow their voice to be heard. So it, you want them to feel included and you want them to be able to feel that they can try and contribute or at least have a reasonable discourse. They are, any new player, and everybody out there is a new player at one point, you are well aware that you are ignorant when it comes to this, this or any game when you first walk in. You do not know as much as the people that are already there, by definition. So you don't need to reinforce that. Yeah, they, like, people will know when they, you know when you're a little bit nervous and you may not have the solid backing that you feel like everybody else does. Now, the best way to do that is not to, you know, sit down and wreck their life. It's to talk about what they enjoy, how it's going for them, and really figure it out. And I really think the WoW community is one of the best places for that. I think the WoW community does a wonderful job of talking to new players and getting their ideas and hopefully that can continue yeah and it's it's important especially even more so in our community than others is fostering that growth encouraging people to come in add their ideas to the the collective so that we can try and get those ideas there are custom sets being produced and that new person coming in may have a unique point of view to add to it. Or maybe the fresh set of eyes tells us that, yeah, the ban list needs this adjustment, or maybe the meta calls for this particular thing. And it's not just telling new players what's going on. Yes, it's important for them to get the history and, and get them up to speed. But at the same time, it's also listening to the new players so that they can get their concerns voiced because Again, it's a new set of eyes and ears as far as the game goes. Yeah, and so would this be fair to give everybody homework? Find a friend. Bring them to WoW. Give them decks. Make, have them make their own decks. <laughs> Sit them down with a big binder and say, go to town, have fun. Yeah, I, if it wasn't so overwhelming, I think cube events would be great. 
because yeah. it's like, oh, I get to see so many cards. The problem is you get oh, to, get see, to so see so many, many cards. cards. And there's only so many hours in the day. Well, it's just overwhelming to be like, ah, you have to read literally every one of these and yeah. I don't know what any of them do. It's, so not it's only tough. do you have to read everything when you're making your deck, you have to read everything when you're, after your opponents have made their deck and that is terrifying. Yeah. So we would be remiss if we didn't bring up that there are some tools to play online. So there is the Tabletop Simulator group. Um, we unfortunately don't get to play that, and we have nothing really to do with the making of it, but we know there is a pre pretty strong group on the Tabletop Simulator. Uh, they have a Facebook group, um, so you can go find them, find some people to come play the game with you. And there are um, a number of people that also have done the, uh, I guess, the old-fashioned route of playing by webcam. Yeah, which is really intense, and that's an, that's another option. And especially, apparently, if you live in the southwest United States, there's a nice big community down there. Yes, apparently Texas has a thriving community um, still. So, you know, come check out Reddit, check out the Facebook. Maybe there's people local to you. Post. Who knows? If you don't think there's a community, maybe your question will spark some longtime lurkers to come out of the woodwork and say, well, I love this game, but I've never found anybody to play with me. Well, and that's part of it is that why even if you aren't able to play or don't want to play and you just want to observe, definitely come hang out at Gen Con. We're definitely, or, or at least planning right now, to go to PAX Unplugged, and that would be another great opportunity to try and run other events. So there are a number of conventions throughout the year, and we always make it a point whenever we go to tournaments or we go to other events or whatever to bring play mats and bring our wow deck boxes or even the sleeves because people walk by and like oh i remember that game i didn't know people still play it yeah they still play it come and find us so new players if you see any of us or you see other people playing wow by all means it strike up a conversation because like we were just talking about it's important to have the new point of views come in yeah otherwise Everybody might get so tunnel-visioned, and it really is great to bring in new points of view, and it will help this game live even longer in its afterlife. Yes. So anyway, we don't want to belabor this one, but we did, as we started out with, say that we've seen a lot of new players. New players, if you're listening, definitely hit us up. Let us know if there's any suggestions you have, any questions you have, or feel free to post them in the Retro Wow Classic group or on the Reddit or in the Discord or any of those things because, well, broken record time. It's important to have new people. And it's important to have discussions with new people. So you're new and you want to start a discussion, we are there. So let us know how veterans out there, how would you help new players? What do you think, if you had your top one or top three or top five whatever pick a number top tips for a brand new player that either came from an old game magic Yu-Gi-Oh, pokemon whatever or is brand new to card games they just walked into a comic book store and said hey what are those i don't know how in 2018 that's possible but if that happens it's a thing what would you tell them and what is the best way to get started new players what are your top three questions? Like, what do you want to know? Do you want to know, how do I play the game rules-wise? Do you want to know, well, what are all the cards? What are the best decks? Or do you want to know, well, what's more fun, competitive or rating? 
or something else entirely, let us know. Either hit us up at randomthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. Or as we said, check out all the WoW social media because there's still a lot of it out there. And it's still mostly active. That's very true. So come on out to Gen Con, ask questions anywhere. But in the meantime, I'm wife. And I'm husband. Join us next time for more Random Thoughts. So for all other things Random Thoughts, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. At our website, randomsthoughts.wordpress.com, you can now find us on Facebook under the tag of Random Thoughts. Or find us on Twitter, at randthoughtpod. That's at R-A-N-D thought pod and please feel free to reach out to us on gmail at randomsthoughtspodcast at gmail.com hope to hear from you soon